Uh, my name is Cole, uh, and I love uh, getting to talk to you guys. I'm on staff here at Beach Church, and from time to time, I get to talk with y'all. And uh, genuinely, I love it because a small part of my story, it's ultimately I sat where you sat, and this student ministry that you're a part of now is the same one that raised me up, and it was men like me, and women will... I'm not a woman, but people ahead of me ultimately that poured into me, that drew me to where I am now. And so I love that I get to maybe be a chance and be a part of y'all's story and how maybe you would be paying into and pouring into someone that comes after you. And so I'm also excited, as Ryan said, we're starting our new series tonight called Stories. And uh, the cool thing about stories is that the Bible is filled with stories. Like almost the entire Bible is essentially a story. And more specifically, what we're going to be talking about or talking from are these examples in the Bible that are called parables. Now, if you've been a Christian for a while, but you, you might be a little bit more familiar with what a parable is. But ultimately, in its simplest form, a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. An earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And so the reason why that is exciting is ultimately these parables that we're going to be choosing and speaking from for the next few weeks, they're going to give us a future and a deeper insight to who God is, his character, what he's about. And ultimately, the reason why that matters is if we call ourselves Christians, we want to be like Christ. The more we understand of what Christ was like, what God was like, the more it challenges and changes us. And so that's why it's such an exciting thing to be talking about these parables and the other cool thing about these parables is that this is the way that Jesus often chose to teach people. And the reason being is that he knew that God was far too complex for us to comprehend. But what he also understood is that there were ways that we can get an insight to an aspect of his character, just a piece of God, and that we can understand it. So that's what these parables are meant to do, are meant to just give us a glimpse of who God is, just an aspect of God. And so tonight, the parable that we're going to be talking from is the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And before you turn there, we're gonna, it's going to be in Matthew chapter 20, uh, if you want to go ahead and get your Bible ready. Uh, before we get there, I'm going to go ahead and pray, and we're going to get started with this night. So go ahead and bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, God, we invite you into this space. God, we acknowledge your presence and acknowledge the fact, God, that you are real. God, in seeking to change and develop us, God, I pray that we would... Ultimately, God, be willing to let go of things that you're calling us to let go of, to take on things that you're calling us to take on. God, that we would leave different than we arrived, ultimately closer, God, in relation to you. God, I pray that you would speak and that we would listen, God, and we would seek to be changed. Amen. So like I said, we're going to be talking from a parable tonight. And before we kind of get into that parable, I wanted you to give or have an example from my own life of something very similar to the parable that we're going to be talking about. Because... In the parable that we're talking about, we're going to listen to or hear from these disgruntled workers who uh, maybe were a little bit upset with what seemed to be fair, much like the elephant and the giraffe and the hare. Um, and in my own life, I experienced something very similar, and it, it, to a degree, it's still a little bit raw. Um, as a high schooler, uh, I had my first girlfriend, and with that came the realization of funding that relationship. And so uh, I got a job, and you know, I think... For some of y'all, maybe a truth from the Lord tonight is that you can pay for dinner for your girlfriend if you're a guy, even in high school. It just might mean that you have to get a job. But for me, that was to work at public supermarkets where shopping is a pleasure. Uh, unfortunately for me, that's where working was a death sentence. Like, I hated 
working for Publix. And, like, my hat is completely off to you. If you work for Publix and you enjoy it, I can't imagine why. But, like, ultimately I'm encouraged by the fact that you enjoy it. If you are debating for yourself, man, I don't know what my first job should be. Please don't let Publix even be in the runnings. Like, it is the worst Like, there's a part of me in my maturity as an adult that I understand that there are, like, career opportunities with Publix. Like, they'll give you um, health benefits and, like, dental care. They'll put you through college if you want. But, like, none of that mattered to me at, like, 15 years old. Like, I wanted free sweet tea. I wanted, like, half off on a public sub maybe. I wanted a little bit more money. But none of that happened. So here's, here's some parts of why Publix was the worst. Number one, here's the reason why it's the worst. So I worked there with my best friend, Bryce Howell, who y'all might know. Uh, he's real involved here at our church. He's a big man with a beard, much like I am. His beard's just bigger than mine. Um, but him and I worked there together, and we got hired on making $6.50 an hour. Wozers. I mean, that is some chunks of change there. $6.50 an hour. That means if I worked a full shift, I'd make 60 bucks. Eh, I wouldn't even really make 60 bucks because in tax, okay. I wouldn't make a lot of money doing there. But nevertheless, I took my six fifty an hour, and I went with it. I got your carts. I bagged your groceries. I got sweaty getting carts, then I sweated in your groceries. And if you are a person who has a parent or yourself who prefers the double paper bag with the plastic on the outside, like, understand that, like, there is a degree to which you need to repent of that, like, this evening. Like, I release you in Jesus' name. Like, and some of y'all can't even picture that in just the quick phrasing of it, but, like, literally it was a, a paper bag, another paper bag, and then plastic bag around that whole thing for handles so that the person could, again, the worst. Then, to make matters even more terrible in this terrible work environment, at the end of the summer, they hired on some new people to do the job that Bryce and I were currently doing. We were front service clerks, which is a fancy way of saying bagger, and we recognized that we were just baggers. But they didn't hire on new people to do what we did and then a little bit more. They hired on new people to do the same job we were doing. And we quickly found out through conversations with those new people that they were being paid more. More than we were currently earning. It wasn't like we had gotten a raise and now we're being paid the same. We were making six fifty an hour and they hired these guys on at the end of summer at $7 an hour. Like that seems ridiculous, right? Like how could they be paid the same amount when I've been working here longer? And so in a very kind way, Bryce and I went to our manager, and of course it was not in a kind way. Like, we were disgruntled. We were ridiculously upset at how he could choose to do this. And his response was like, well, you know, you shouldn't be talking about your income. You shouldn't be talking about your salary. We're like, okay, well, we're far past that. So ultimately, like, I'm either going to be done with working here or you need to pay me more. Thankfully, he was willing to pay us more. And so even though I went through all that I went through and got paid the same amount at the end of the summer as these guys that were getting hired on. The damage had been done. And we're going to see an example here tonight of these workers who ultimately feel like their wage should have been different. And as we get into this parable, Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, the first thing I want to do is I'm just going to read through it straight through, and the verses are going to be on the screen. And the reason why, and this is just another like tiny truth from the Lord tonight, a big assistance or a big step in your faith journey and reading the Bible is reading it over and over and over again. Because what I find is that the more I read God's word, the more I understand God, the more I'm challenged by it, I'll uncover like new truths and what I read. And so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to read through and we're going to kind of like acclimate our minds to what we're going to be talking about tonight. So chapter 20 of Matthew, starting in verse 1. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. 
He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon, he went out and found still others standing around, and he asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who had borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I have gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. So again, we're kind of understanding here that ultimately what's happened is there's a guy who's going out and he's hiring some people. And these men that have worked the entire day are expectant to be paid accordingly. And they want to be paid accordingly to the people that were paid last because the people that are paid last are being paid what they were promised. So it's like, okay, well, if that guy's getting the denarius, like I obviously should get a little bit more. I've been here longer. And so we can understand from the get-go like the tension that's set up in this scripture because it makes sense to us as humans on a very earthly level, like why wouldn't they be paid more? They did more work. But ultimately, as we talked at the beginning, a parable is meant to teach us something about God. It's meant to show us some heavenly connections here. And so as we begin to go into this, let's look at what this is trying to teach us about God's character, about what God has for us. And so we're going to go back through this verse by verse. And I'm going to pause a couple times along the way and, and point out some key words that ultimately set the stage for what God wants to teach us. So starting back now in verse 1. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. And I know it's annoying. I'm stopping on the very first words. But the very first words are so important. So what Jesus is saying from the very beginning is that for the rest of this teaching, the rest of what I'm about to tell you, it is all representative of heaven. It is all representative of God. And so we can put on our God eye filters or goggles and say, okay, for everything else I'm about to read, it's going to teach me something about how good God is or about what God is for. And so I love that from the very beginning, Jesus starts it in this way. And a lot of his parables, he starts this way because he wants you to understand from the very beginning what I'm about to say is true of God. So for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for the vineyard. Verse 2, he agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. So to help us kind of understand what he's talking about here, a denarius was a day's wage. Now, like I told you, I worked for six fifty an hour at Publix. The current minimum wage in Florida is eight dollars and twenty five cents. So, a day's wage working at minimum wage nowadays would be eighty two dollars and fifty cents because you work for ten hours. That's a that's a typical labor shift. And so, if it helps you understand this better, don't think of the word denarius as this word that doesn't make sense to you. Think of it as eighty two bucks. 
So when he says he agreed to pay them 82 bucks for the day and sent them into the vineyard. Another thing that I want to point out is when he uses that term day. So this is not necessarily different than it is now, but ultimately when he's talking about a day's work, he means a day's work. Like we like to think sometimes like, oh, I worked all day when I woke up at 11 in the morning and I like finished at like three o'clock in the afternoon. Like, man, I did a full day's work today. But no, we're talking about like these guys that got up at six and started at six, didn't finish until five, like 10 or 11 hours of, of work. And so it's an entire day. It's an entire process. Continuing in verse 3, about 9 in the morning, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard, and I will pay you whatever is right. So I love so much. This is one of those new ones that when you read it again and again, you begin to see new aspects of what God is doing here. Because the reason or like the, the meaning behind Jesus choosing those specific words, and I will pay you whatever is right, Ultimately, for the people that he's hiring on throughout the day, their expectation might be diminished. They might think, okay, well, I'm getting hired at 2 o'clock in the afternoon, which means I'm probably going to be paid accordingly. Like, I didn't work the full day, so I'm probably going to get, you know, half of a day's labor or a fourth of a day's labor or a third of a day. Like, ultimately, if he's saying he's going to pay me whatever is right, in my mind what is right is that I would be paid less. And so how much cooler does that become when we realize from the very beginning he's saying, I'm going to pay you whatever is right, when we already know at the end he's going to pay everybody the same. So continuing in verse 5, so they went, and he went out again at noon and about 3 in the afternoon and did the same thing. About 5 in the afternoon, 5 in the afternoon, and we talked about that the work day was from 6 to 5. So, I mean, these are the guys that are getting hired on in the last minutes of the day, like from a practical sense or like a, a wise sense, if I am a owner of a business, why would I hire somebody to come work 10 minutes for me? Like the paperwork involved with paying them or just the, like, the hassle of me going out just to get somebody to work for the last few minutes of the day does not seem worth it to me. Or like their impact on the day's work doesn't even seem that significant. Like for somebody to come in and like fill the last, three, last few barrels, like I didn't necessarily need him to come in with his last 10 minutes of the day and come help me out. Like, there were other workers that could have accomplished that most likely. Like, I don't even need to go back out again, but he does. So about five in the afternoon, he went out and still found others standing around. He asked them, why you've been standing here all the day long doing nothing? Verse seven, because no one has hired us, they answered. Again, this is another one that becomes very real the more you get into the word, the more you read these over and over again. See, because for the longest time, when I heard this parable, and I've heard it a few times preached, I've read it a few times, I've always kind of had this perspective that these guys that get hired late in the day, that they're lazy, that they've just been kind of like goofing off and hanging around, and like the guy was coming to hire people, and they're like, ah, you know, I don't really feel like it. But that's not the case. You see, because their response to him saying, why have you, like, why are you still out here waiting? Is that no one has hired me. Like they, they have been seeking work the entire day. They've been hoping to be hired the entire day. And if they've been hoping to be hired, it's because they need to be hired because they need to bring money home. See, I think a lot of times we see words like work in this example, in this passage, in this parable. And we think that that's like the burden. Like, why would I want to go and work? Like for these men... They're waiting around all day long hoping to get hired because ultimately they need to bring something home for their family. They need to provide. And so work is not this burden. It is an opportunity for them to like, bring hope and bring 
like food and, and sustenance back home. Like it is a real need in their lives. And so that's why they're waiting around until five in the evening. Would, the day would all, this, you know, by all other considerations be done. And they're still waiting around like, please let me like sleep the, sweep the floors. Let me do anything to earn a buck. Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. This positioning is so, so essential for us to understand here tonight. Because if the landowner chose to pay the people in the order in which they were hired, the first guys that were hired all day, they come up, they get their denarius, they walk away. They don't even have to face the fact that maybe somebody else is getting paid the same. But for them to have to sit there and watch these guys that basically stepped on to the workforce and then stepped into the paycheck a moment later, and they see them get, a, they see them get 82 bucks, they're like, I mean, what the heck? Well, maybe it's a frustration, or maybe you get to see here in a second, they expected to be paid more. So they're thinking, okay, well, if they got the A250, I bet he now is definitely going to pay us more. And so Jesus tells a story and positions them in this way, ultimately to teach us something about God that we're going to talk about here in a second. Verse 9, the workers who were hired about 5 in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. Each received 82 bucks. So when those who came were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. Each of them also received 82 bucks. Again, they expected to be paid more because they had worked longer. And that's something that, like, on a very human level, we can relate to, we can believe in, we can connect with. Like, I think about uh, one of my biggest frustrations uh, in college uh, was doing group projects and if you've done group projects in school already, you already understand the, 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 the frustration. But ultimately, work is not evenly distributed amongst the people that are a part of a group project. And there's always somebody who seems like they're not pulling their weight, seems like they're not doing as much as they should be. And ultimately, at the end of the day, when you group present, like everybody receives the same grade. And like, it's like, well, he doesn't deserve the A. Like I and my other two friends like really put in work here and this guy's getting the A as well. Like that doesn't make sense to me. But we have to stop trying to understand God on earthly terms because he's beyond earthly terms. So finishing out, verse 11, when they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne born the burden of the work in the heat all day. But he answered one of them, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the ones hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my money? Or are you envious because I am generous? Like this, this story could have gone a complete different way. Like their position in their mind could have been not focusing on that they're not getting as much or that they should be getting more. And they could have been focusing on, man, how good is this guy that he's willing to pay everybody the same? Like when we talk about that these guys are getting hired on at five in the afternoon, and I kind of, you know, inferred or I believe what's happening here is that these are guys that need money to bring home. Like what a generous man that he's willing to give to everybody and all these people are in need. And so why wouldn't their reaction be to celebrate the fact that this landowner is so generous and not necessarily just suffer in this like comparison of like, man, well, he didn't do as much as I did, so I should be getting more. 
but we miss it if we, if we don't realize how good God is. Verse 16, so the last will be first, and the first will be last. So if a parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, what is the heavenly meaning in this story? And there's a couple. The first thing is that God is for all people. He is for every single person that you know and every single person that you don't know. That the landowner goes out after hour after hour after hour, ultimately because he's seeking to reach more people. He wants to hire more people. He is so stinking generous. He is so willing to give away more money that he's hiring people on in the last minutes of the day because he believes that he that reaching those people, that giving those people money is like of value. He wants to reach everybody. Another truth that this teaches us about God, another heavenly meaning that is kind of pulled from this is also that it's not earned. These guys that worked the entire day, they didn't get an increased wage. And by comparison, the men that came on in the very last minutes of the day, they didn't get less. And so another aspect about God is that our position in him is never earned by our merit. It's never earned by our willingness to follow or to do better or to try harder or to work harder. It's all because he is generous, that he is giving to all people. And so if that is what this parable is teaching us about God, what is it teaching us about ourselves? What is our step from here? Because ultimately my biggest challenge with this series is that we're going to learn a lot about who God is. But the challenge for you is to hear what God is like and be changed yourself. To hear aspects of God's character and ultimately desire for yourself to be different than you are now. And again, it's not because we can be better and earn God's love or anything like that. It's ultimately because the more I understand God, the more my life needs to look different than it does. Because the more I become aware of who God's character is, the more I become aware of how my character is not like his and areas that it needs to grow more like his. And so I have a few steps that we can kind of take with Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16, this parable. And the first one is a very simple one, and it's the first step. And it's that for some of you in this room, you've never been given the chance. That the truth is, the landowner is calling you to work. That him going out hour after hour after hour is representative of God seeking after you day after day after day, minute after minute. And you being in this room is like no coincidence to God. He got you here through the people in your life and relationships and invitations. And he's been working night after night after night ultimately to get you in this room for this exact moment. And I get it. Like some of y'all maybe have a past experience that has burned you towards Christians or burned you towards God and you don't think it's for you because you've had a negative experience. Or some of y'all, maybe you, know, you think that this is not the right timing for you. Like I think a, a big hurdle with reading this parable is it seems better to be the guys that get hired last. Like it seems like, okay, well, somebody had to do less work and they got the same pay. I'd rather do that. I'd rather do less work and get the same pay. And that's easy to understand. I, I mean, we are lazy. Like, that's easy for me to connect with, like, why I would want to have that happen. But that's not, 
the full reality of what's happening here. Because work, when it comes to God, isn't work like it is on this earth. And we have this belief that like to take on God, to take on a relationship with Jesus would be this burden that changes me in a way that causes me to like end the things that are good in my life or or be done with the things that are what I like to do. You might have this sense of like, well, I'm going to do what I want to do and then I'll turn my attention to God when when the timing is right. But truly what you're missing out on is your best life. And I know it's hard for you to maybe believe that if you don't yet believe in him or believe that. But like I promise you, in every single corner of my being, parts of me that are like Christ are far better than parts of me that are not. Aspects of my life that are shaped by Jesus are far greater than aspects that are not. I am far more rewarded, fulfilled, like steadfastly happy and joyful in every endeavor that God has had his hand on. And the opposite is true in every endeavor that I've had for myself. And regardless of how you feel about God's position for you in his heart, you can at least understand that, like, you stand here today viewing your best life different than you did when you were younger or younger and younger. Like, there was a point in your life when your best life was sitting crisscross, playing with Lincoln Logs. And then you got older, you got more mature, and your best life was getting a 15-kill streak in Call of Duty. And you're like, oh, my gosh, this is the best. Video games rule. And then you said, wait, there's something better than a video game. It's a girlfriend. It's awesome. And throughout your life, you've had these best experiences and these best experiences. And so I don't think it's very hard for you to understand that you have not reached your best experience because you haven't reached it yet. But what's harder for you to maybe believe in or grab hold of is ultimately that your best experience exists in God. And so that first thing I want to do for y'all is give you the opportunity to respond by inviting Jesus into your heart. And so if you would bow your heads and close your eyes, the words we're about to pray are not significant. The Bible says in Romans 10, verse 9, that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess in your mouth that, Christ, that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. So that's what's happening in this time right now. It's you acknowledging your need for God, you declaring your need for God, and you inviting him in. So as we bow our heads and close our eyes, if that's you, You can pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I need you. I ask for your forgiveness to come into my life. I declare that you are Lord and you are my salvation. I need you, Father. Rescue me. Amen. And if that's you, First and foremost, understand that like angels are doing backflips. God is parting. Like people are celebrating your name in heaven right now because that's the most significant thing that the landowner is pumped right now because he got, got to hire one more person. And so my further challenge for you is if that was you is don't let that be a decision that you decided for yourself in secret or in quiet. Celebrate with a friend next to you or an adult in the room. A real significant challenge for you is to celebrate that alongside us. And in the back of the room after uh, this message here tonight as we go into the next two songs. I would invite you to go to the back of the room so that we can celebrate this decision with you. Take your picture. Take your picture because ultimately your picture becomes a story that helps somebody else and shape their story. And so be bold enough to go afterwards tonight and literally just when we start singing, just walk to the back room. 
Now for the rest of us. Some other things that this parable has for us. Another huge truth here is that more laborers are needed. The landowner goes out time and time and time and time again because he wants to find more people. And in your life, there are people whose God, God desires to see come home, to be hired. And the craziest thing is that in those relationships in your life, you are God's first plan. You are his desired course of action for reaching somebody in your life. There is power in you that you don't understand because God is in you and we don't understand him. But we understand here from this parable that he desires more laborers. He desires more people. And so maybe tonight the practical step for you is reminding yourself and praying for somebody in your life that God's calling you to change, to invite, to pour into. Another big truth from tonight that we need to take away is that the wage is given, not earned. It is to the landowner's discretion to give. Each person agreed to work. His desire was to give in abundance. But in no circumstance was it earned. The people who worked less did not get paid less. The people who worked more did not get paid more. And maybe what you need to hear tonight is you have to stop trying to live a life so good that you believe that God is like proud of you or believes better of you. Or the opposite, you have to stop believing that your life is so bad or you've made so many mistakes that God couldn't help to look at you or couldn't, couldn't look at you. Because the truth in either circumstance is that because of Jesus, he looks at us with joy and love and excitement, ultimately willing to give his son for a relationship with you. And all the while it is given, it is not earned. And I think the final truth we have to understand, and this kind of connects with our, our story from tonight with, with fair, is that our wage doesn't change. I think a lot of us, if we're real, we have an issue in our heart where we believe somebody else's success has to come at our failure or at our diminished success. Like, I remember, <laughs> I mean, it's still an issue. I'm a big man, and so we'll go to, like, you know, dinners where everybody brings a little bit. And I have to go through the line. I'm getting food on my plate. And you have to always consider, okay, well, I can't eat what I want to eat because i got to make sure that everybody's getting enough. And so that's not the example I'm talking about. It's not that I get four pieces of chicken and somebody else gets two. With God, his generosity is infinite. If he is infinite, and he is, then half of infinity is infinity, and half of that is infinity, and half of that is infinity. And so there's no aspect to which we can fraction off God's grace that we ever even begin to diminish it. And so let that be an encouragement for you, that if your wage doesn't change, there's no degree to which you can overuse grace. There's no degree to which you can overshare grace or be overchanged by grace. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for your story. God, we thank you for stories and parables and truths, God, where you are able to reach out of your 
infinite being and show us a glimpse of you that we can even begin to comprehend. God, I pray that in this room tonight, your story would impact ours. And through the multiplication of that, God, that it would impact others and impact others and impact others. And that it's something as simple as the parable or analogy of a man hiring workers, God, would be so completely challenging of our being. That our schools, our work life, our home life, every single aspect of us would look different because we believe that you are generous. Sorry. We believe that you are generous and that your generosity can never be outdone or overused. God, we thank you that you are just so generous. God, and we give you this time right now. Amen.